which is my home away from home now to be here with you, brother. And you know what is going on inside me, don't you? Okay, are you feeling it radiate coming down off my... Oh, yeah. I felt it when, when you landed on the plane, got off, touched ground here, the energy. And, and what else is pretty remarkable about this time, too, is we've also got the other member of our... Our crew. Uh, right? <laughs> so I'd like to give an anonymous welcome to the wizard. Wizard, hello. There's a hand up. Welcome back. There is no giant spear sticking out of it, right? Yeah. We have not suffered an inch. Oh, you did actually. You got injured this morning. Yeah, thanks for being out. <laughs> thanks for out saving the world. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you, you can never jump too fast into, in, into what we do here because there's always a potential for injury, right? Yeah. But the injury is going to be your mind and your heart because we have one mission here, and that's to open you up to get you to understand that inside, down deep, where it matters, you possess the things that we have lived and dedicated our lives to, which is the never quit mindset. Right, Marcus? Absolutely. I mean, that's why we're here. That's what we're here. That's our mission on the Team Never Quit podcast. And if you want to know more about who we are, why we're doing it, whatever, just go visit www.tnqpodcast.com. And you can go back and look at and listen to download all our old shows where you can listen to David Goggins, Navy SEAL, Traffic, Goggins, 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 <laughs> Goggins. Chad Fleming, Army Ranger, Team Never Quit speaker. I mean, one Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne. How about even Diana Nyad, right? <laughs> yeah. Diana, frog, man. frog woman, frog woman, frog woman, frog woman. swam from Cuba to Florida. Yeah. You go back and you listen to these stories and they're there to inspire you to live out the never quit mindset. And you can find that at our website. Oh, yeah. And while you're there, don't forget to go to the Team Never Quit website and check out the merchandise. Go get yourself a T-shirt, wear it proudly, inspire the people in your lives. Man, because that's what we're all about. We're about compiling this team together through these great stories, through... Through the you know the promotion of the of of the mindset and and creating an infrastructure of positivity, man. That's why we do what we do, right, Marcus? 
I like it when you do this. The way you lay it out is the way it is. Is the way it is, and I appreciate that. So today's show is, I tell you what, man, I've been looking forward to this because for, what, Wizard, months, weeks, three months, two months, we have been saying to you, the listener, that we want you to write in. We want you to share your greatest never quit story there is, right? We want you to share them with us. And, and Marcus, we've had some doozies, right? We've been starting to read them in the past podcast, these great never quit stories. Oh, and it's anybody and everybody. That's the great part about it. It's the former military person. It's the person who uh, is uh, over or or his family member overcoming cancer. It's it's I mean, it's just they're coming in by the the, by the troves right now. And and we've been going through them. Well, fine. We had said, right, Marcus, we'd said when one truly hits us and really smashes us in the face that, you know, we are going to bring that person on. Well, today in this episode, this is the show. And so I'm super fired up. We will introduce you to that guest here in a little bit. But as you know, Marcus and I like to get things going by by sharing a, either a cool what you're going to do thing where I try and stump Marcus, he tries mm. to stump me, or a historical moment where we go back and look at a, a badass historical person or moment in history that is, you know, that is focused in the never quit mindset. And we have a doozy today for you, don't we, Marcus? That was a good pull. Good I mean, the wizard, yeah, the wizard was remarkable in his find on this one. Now, yeah, now the correlation between the two is good. Let, let's just jump right into this. Now, back when we were kids, man, you know, and, and when the Olympics would come on, it would seem larger than life. And there was one story. Still is, man. It, I, I, I get fired up. <laughs> I love the Olympics, man. I mean, that co- competition is serious. Is, and and watching, I mean, just watching Michael Phelps this time was, I mean, insane. And and it was Boy, the, capable. Uh, Americans are capable of competing against the, the whole world. World, right? Well, and what was remarkable in my mind about Michael Phelps is that he's done it over and over and over and over again. Now yeah, the oh difference he's be- a bad dude. He's a bad dude. The difference between the story we're gonna tell you now, Michael Phelps, is this guy who we're gonna share with you, who goes by the name of Mr. Dan Jensen, right? I mean, this guy, DJ, they called him. He was a speed skater through the eighties. And what the remarkable thing about this is just how many Olympics he competed in and he didn't win, right? He was 0 for 7 in Olympic competition over over an extended period of time. And I'll go through this. In Sarajevo in 84, in Calgary in 88, uh, a particular tra- tragedy hit his he and his family. His older sister, Jane, died of leukemia the day of his 500-meter race. And later that day, the world rooting for him, a grief-stricken Jansen, the gold medal favorite, fell. He fell in his race, and later that evening in the 1,000, with the world record cheering even harder for him, he fell again. I mean, imagine the tragedy of that, dude. I remember that. Remember how it was like, it it, it stopped, the quiet, the hush that came out. It was like, oh my gosh. Well, and you fast forward into Albertville in 1992. Jansen lost his balance in, in a turn in the 500 and finished fourth. Everyone who followed the sport thought Jansen was cursed. They became even more convinced later that day when Jansen staggered home 26th in the 1,000. Again, in Lilyhammer. 
in 94. His last shot at the medal, he was 28 years old. He was the favorite to win the 500, his best event, yet Jansen amazingly and astonishingly slips again and finished eighth. But that wasn't it. That wasn't it. And Marcus, I want to share with you, and this this one guy, his name's Rick Weinberg from ESPN. He sums up this experience in, in a really uh, poetic way. So I'm going to read this directly from his article. When Jansen takes the ice at Heimars Viking Skating Hall before a capacity crowd. Allergy season out here. <laughs> Ragweed. He, he lines up against seven competitors who have far better times than his career best in the event. To make matters worse, his timing is off due to warm-ups, and he struggles for the traction on the ice. He isn't gripping the ice well, and he knows he has to skate at least three-tenths of a second faster than he ever has just to have a chance. The race begins. Jansen skates a dynamic 16.71 over the first 200 meters. He then shoots through the next turn. Jansen's wife, Robin, notices something special about his run, that her husband is skating as smooth as glass, she would later tell the media. But in the minds of Jansen's fans, which was everybody, from all corners of the world, there is doubt. When will disaster strike? At which point it always does. After all, in every Olympics, does he fall flat? With one hand behind his back, the other swinging to his side. A relaxed Jansen makes it to the next to last turf without a hitch. He's now skating the inner lane where the turn is tighter and the chance of fall even greater. He's fatigued. Suddenly, he slips ever so slightly. The crowd pauses. His left hand grazes the ice just barely. He loses two, perhaps three hundredths of a second, but he keeps his rhythm and balance. For some reason, I was calm when I slipped, he would say later. There was no panic. As Jansen hits the straightaway, the crowd rises. The entire stadium is in a whips into a frenzy as Jansen flies home, crossing the finish line. The clock reads 1.12.43, a new world record. Jansen raises his arms to the heavens, flings back his head, squeezes his eyes shut, and throws his hands on his head in disbelief. And at the same time, wild, uncontrollable paws erupts all around him. Finally, he says to himself, finally. Now, the quote that really sums up this effort and something that's poignant that you got to listen to in terms of your struggle in life is this comes from Dan Jansen directly. I feel I've made other people happy instead of having them feel sorry for me. He would later say, I was thinking just skate. I figured that was going to be my last Olympic race ever, no matter what happened. Winning here is the only thing left for me to do. It seems like I had to quit caring so much in order to skate my best. That's the story of Dan Jansen. Marcus, when you hear that effort over that many years to stay in the fight, to keep coming back for more, what's that make you think of? First of all, I was just like to comment on the the rereading of that gentleman. <laughs> I mean, you should do that for a living. <laughs> hey, tonight you're reading to the kids. You got it, man. I, I love doing it I for have my mine. own storybook that I that I read. It's kind of like when they get older, like dad always read from this one. Yeah, yeah. I, I try to. That, that's good, man. That's good. <laughs> well, I, I can, at least I, can I, see, got I can see Dan in my head raising when, I, you, when you have that that ability. That's I got a backup man. career. Is what yeah, you yeah. said. I appreciate Damn, it, man. American sportsman. There you go. Right. I mean, all the time, even in defeat, knowing that showing honor and defeat, 
I mean, that's and, remarkable. And then, yeah, every time, it, it keep coming back, right? <clears throat> Hell, we talk about that all the time, man. Just keep getting back up. Swallow your pride and, and realize that, man. It happens. If you're not losing, you're not winning. Totally. Yeah, it, and on, on that theater, man, that stage, that's that's tough. And to keep going back and for it to keep happening, man, You sure, he could have just, he's like, eh, hey, because he won everything else, right? Right, he was crushing everything else he had yeah. competed, and he just, he, he couldn't get that medal. What I particularly love about it, brother, is, is, just how small the the possibility of failure is, right? It, you your blade catches razor's the, edge, right? the razor's, razor's edge, razor's edge, and and I think you know in a, in the teams we know a little bit about that, right? Yeah. If if you're one inch this way or one inch that way, it, it's all the difference in Don't the world. <laughs> all them cowboys, man, it's that it's that razor's tough. upside down. Yeah, tough. <laughs> man, I mean, God dang, dude. And when those guys got. It's kind of one of them deals. I remember watching him as a kid when he would fall, and, and it's one of those situations when the world all gasps. You know, there's, there's things when we're all watching on TV and something like that happens, you're like, oh, man. You, you just like, like it's oh, a, oh, man. Yeah. And, and what is everybody bad, else right? Wanted? Yeah, but what are you saying under your breath when that happens? Everybody, right? Get up. Get up. Get up, man. Get up. Just get up. get up. Hold man. your head up yeah, high. Yeah, they kept getting up, man. You know, they keep doing that. It resonates. What do you think it takes for the individual, the competitor who constantly fails like that? To because the, the Olympics, it's like it's not like you're going into your next football season or you're going into your next basketball season. Man, it's four years away. I truly and, believe in what they do. You love interesting. it, right? Yeah, you love it. They're passionate, right? It's what you are. It's not what you do, right? When it comes that that kind of notion, when you when you've totally ingrained yourself into them, and this is what I am. What else would I be doing? Then, then that's how they keep going back. Well, and, and I think the interesting thing is, too, that desire, that passion that we always talk about, right, that enables you to fight through the adversity, to overcome the obstacles. It, it's, it blinds you to all the other noise around you, right? Yeah, white noise. The white noise. Yeah. Now, what, what are, I mean, you can imagine as this, and, and one-two speed skating is, is apparently, in terms of prepping and the, and the work that goes in, being hunched over, putting in the thousands and thousands of yards and laps. I mean, imagine the monotony of that. Quads on those guys? <laughs> I mean, give them props, man. Oh, that's awesome, when, when dude. Walking around like that, you know that they put the work in. Oh, for sure, for sure. And especially in a sport when it's down to tenths of a se- I mean, that kind of speed. Right. That's the difference between the best and then not best. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, and, and I think, you know, one of the best things that you got to take away when you hear Dan Jensen's story and you, and you hear it and where you're at in your life, because remember, Marcus and I and what the TNQ podcast is all about is to expose you to a, an incredible wide variety of people. That's why we bring people on that are athletes, that are politicians, that are professionals, that are you know, motivator, military. We don't care. We want to explore every walk of life. Bikers to billionaires. Bikers right? to billionaires and everything in between because it's the common thread that unites us. It's the common thread that we can tap into to say, hey, you know what? I'm no different from that. I possess that which drives that individual. I just have to apply it in my particular life. And that's what's separate. In your particular way. In your particular way, too. Just to never quit. Well, in, in, when you read this story and you think about all the, in, the impressive people that we bring on, this next guest holds her own with all of them. I mean, 
I, you know, and, and, and when I first read the story, I, I couldn't believe that an individual stays in the fight this, this long. And, and I'm proud to, to welcome to the show Katie Ulander, three-time Olympian, world champion. Uh, you know, this woman is just by far in the skeleton, which, by the way, is pretty nuts in and of itself, right. you know? I mean... I mean, when you're a kid and you someone asks you what a, the definition of a, what an Olympian, right? What that what that takes uh, mentally and physically, we got a good one right here. Oh, she defines it and, it and the commitment level, and you know, going head first ninety miles an hour down a, a, a <laughs> an ice luge. Got a streak in her too. She got a streak, and you know that's what I loved. You know, once when she sent that thing in, and I went to Google and I googled her, and she got that red hair, and she wears the eagle awesome. helmet. I mean, she's just awesome, right? So without further ado, let's bring Katie on the Team Never Quit podcast. All right, Marcus, and I told you, I'll tell you what, buddy. Now, this is the coolest, again, this is the coolest part about what we do because we're bringing Katie on because she wrote in, she shared her story, it was an epic never quit story. And you and I both, what? We promised. Yep. We promised that if someone wrote in and their story was over the top, was insane, was epic, was awesome, we were bringing on the show. So, you know, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Katie Ulander, welcome to the Team Never Quit podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, it's... it's and, and I know it's super early out there in Colorado, and and, uh, and I know it's your off day, so I'm, I'm glad we can give you a mental workout at least today. Oh, yeah. I appreciate it. All right. So now getting started, one of the things that we always do, Katie, is we know that you are in incredible physical condition. You know, you're uh, uh, an incredible skeleton Olympian, you're a, a, a badass Olympic lifter. You're into cycling. You're you're just a killer athlete. What we need to do though, before we get into you telling us your greatest never quit story, is we need to warm up your brain a little bit. We need to we need to exercise that gray matter. So what Marcus and I always do with our guests that come on is we start out by giving you what's called the Mad Minute. Now, that Mad Minute is a series of questions that we're going to blast at you back and forth, and what we want you to do is just answer with whatever comes off your out of your brain. The first thing that pops in, just let it fly. Right, Marcus? Yeah. All right. Well, that's easy. I have, like, impulse control. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hold on with it. I'm going to write some more questions down. <laughs> All right, all right. So, Marcus, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, I'm ready. Katie's ready. Here we go. Here we go. Katie, the first question for you is, is Google more likely to save the world or destroy it? Can it be both? Yes. It can, it can be anything you want. Boom. Then- <laughs> first answer out of the game. Because I, I, think, I think it's going to contribute to both. Yep, for sure. Favorite superhero? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. Um, oh man, Superman was like the ultimate when I was a kid, but I also had a phase of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah, first one ever to say the turtles. Turtles, Yeah, I've been waiting. (laughs) I've been waiting for that one too. I changed, I I was, I changed them to girls. Like I was like Donatella. 
Yeah. Nice. Of course. Of course you did. And by the way, if you know, I hope our guests go out and they check out Katie's photos online because when you're all decked out and you're ready to bomb down with that, you know, the helmet with the eagle on it and your red hair, you're like a superhero too, Katie. That's what I love about you. That, that makes those athletes that identify them, that separate themselves, man, when they go out and they're competing on that level, man, that when they do their hair in the whole nine yards, when they really get into it, man, that fires me up. It, it, it's awesome. It's like they are, they're, they're, you know what they are? They're superheroes for America. Right. And that's the, that, I mean, that's the perfect opportunity to do that. And, and people expect it. <laughs> it's not one of those where they walk in like, man, our hair is kind of, what's that all? It's when you're out there, you're like, oh yeah, red, what? Uh-huh. I, I love Let's it. Go, yeah. I love it. All right. All right. Next question. Next question. Here uh, you go. Yep. Fire all right. If you had to fight one, who would you fight? Sylvester Stallone or Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh, man. You know what? Like, I mean, do I want to win or do I, I like, yeah, of course I want to win. <laughs> yeah, of course so, you want to win. <laughs> okay. I'm totally to blown say, away now because an Olympian I, just I, asked if she wanted to win. I, Which one? No. Okay. So I met Arnold. He doesn't seem very fast. <laughs> and Sylvester did some training with some some people for boxing for real. Dude, Stallone. I'm gonna have to go with Arnold. I'm just gonna have to get in on like get in and move quick. <laughs> Take the old man down. Yeah. I like your hey, style. <laughs> Stallone can box. Oh no, I mean, dude can fight. So I mean, I mean, he's been it, training for what forty years boxing. Right. So no, absolutely. But he's a little guy. And Arnold's the Terminator. Ah. Yeah, neither, neither of them are really that big, though. Like, I think Stallone's like 5'10", and maybe Arnold is 6'. No, nah, is that right? I, I thought he was tall. So. Either way. <laughs> All right, who, what was your high school mascot? I, had, I went to two different high schools, so I had a bulldog, like English bulldog, and I had the Tigers. Bulldog and Tiger. I dig that. Mine was up. Mine I was, was trying a, to throw those together. You can't. I, think I couldn't no. pull anything out of it. You tried to do the anthropomorphic. How Pretty about good. that line? How, how about like, that word for nice you? That's right there. That's big time. That's real nice. That's big time. And yeah. I didn't butcher no, it. No, no, you smooth. That was smooth. That was really nice. <laughs> that was the first one. How long have you been cradling that one? Uh, for about a, a couple months since yeah. uh, since last time I was out. That's, so, that's good stuff. Yeah. All right. Ready? Katie, what is your power animal? Oh, the eagle, man. That's the easy. So easy. Like, America. I, we, yeah, that's why I saw my helmet. Um, I think it, it's my spirit animal. I, I did not have one of those uh, official people tell me that, but I'm just claiming it. So I love it. Hey. So big. Yeah, claim it. it. Claim I it. like it. It's yours. Own it. Don't claim it. Own it. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters, the original or the or the new one? I haven't seen the new one, man, but Bill I haven't Murray, either. Like, uh-huh. I can't. Like, I gotta go with the original. Like, I, I want to see the new one because I'm such a fan of the original. But, like, when you... Bill Murray. Like, that's all I gotta say. Right. And, and I think they're they're in the new one. We we walked across the set of that when we were doing a Patriot tour, man. And those girls, the, the girls that redid it, they're phenomenal. Did, are they they're are, great I girls. I mean, they're yeah, funny man. as hell. I just haven't yeah. seen it. I haven't seen it either. Okay, well, well, Footloose. Original or new one? Always original. Kevin Bacon, dude. Well... Footloose. Kevin Bacon. Footloose. Do you, I mean. We got to have, have a picture of Kevin Bacon up in here somewhere. Six degrees, brother. All right. All right. All right. Last question for you, Katie. Here you go. If you could ch- go back in time to any decade whatsoever throughout history and, and be a part of that des- decade in a historical manner, what, what time period would that be in history? 
Man, okay, I thought I thought about this before. And being a chick makes it really difficult. <laughs> yes, it does. Like, Great point. If you're a guy, you can go back and do all this really cool stuff. And like, there's a chance, you know, I could be like Joan of Arc or yeah. like Calamity Jane. You know, mm. those are super cool. Definitely thought about that. But if I had any opportunity to go back in time and like participate in something that was significant, I would. I'd want to cruise with Jesus. I know that sounds super cheesy. But whoa, like, whoa, 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 Ann Hall. That doesn't sound cheesy at all to this group. Not on this show. <laughs> not on this show. <laughs> and I got to tell you, Katie, <laughs> you're actually the first one that, you know, had the intestinal fortitude to actually say that on air with us. And and I love you for it because I, I'd go back and cruise it with that hombre oh. myself, too. Dude, that's awesome. Epic. I mean, and I tell you what, Mary Magdalene was pretty awesome, if you ask me. So was, you know, so was his mom, Mary, too. So you'd be in good company back there with yeah. strong women, Katie. We hold our women in high regards around here, so. Awesome. All right, all right. Well, that's Standard. the mad minute. I think she did awesome. I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. I love the Jesus. So she's on, she's on fire right now. All right, so Katie, one of the coolest things ever was when you sent in you you shared your never quit story through the website, you know, at, at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast or tnqpodcast.com. You sent that thing in, man. I read that sucker, immediately took it to the wizard, showed it to to, to Marcus, and then a buddy of ours, who you know, Mr. Black himself, uh, you know, was like, man, you know, you, you got to talk to this person. She's amazing. She's incredible. And so when we chatted before, it, it, it was an easy decision to say, hey, we got to bring her on to tell her greatest never quit story. So, Katie, that's why you're here. That's why people listen to the show. So please dig in and just share your greatest never quit story with our audience. Well, first, I think I should explain what skeleton is, because a lot of people don't know. Um, that's the sport I do. And it's a. Uh, Essentially, head first, on ice, 90 miles an hour on a cookie sheet. Um, it's like those dreams where you're flying and you, uh, except it's just more awesome and real. And if you hit a wall, it's a little bit more intense. <laughs> yeah, it's not the speed that kills you, right? It's the sudden stops. It's the sudden stops. Yeah, it's a... You can start picking up speed, and at uh, first you start to hesitate a little bit because you're like, um, I don't know if I really want to go any faster. And then you realize you don't have any brakes. Like, you're committed. You don't have a choice. And um, you, have, you have a choice. You can either embrace it or you can become consumed by fear and not enjoy any second of it. <laughs> and uh, I, think I, was, I think the reason why I, I did so well so quick is because I'm just one of those people that, I enjoy relaxed chaos. I just take take the ride for what it is. And um, when I embrace this fear, it, it like, it, I don't know how to describe it, but it, like, it, it's almost like it transitions from like something that, that hurt me to something that motivates me and like moves, moves out to the edges of my skin and like becomes awareness and like gives me strength. And it puts me on this like new level. And so that's how I fell in love with the sport was because it put me into that, that state of mind. Well, Katie, we, we, that's, Katie, that's something we can definitely well, that's, associate that's, with that's for sure. Right. So <laughs> when, when you and I met and the crew that we ran around with, I mean, you saw how well you integrated with us this because 
You just described it. I've never even heard it described like that, really. Yeah. But you just described team guys because that's how they started us. That's how they train us. And that's the mentality we have. And that's what, that's why we can do the things that we do. So if anybody ever needed to explain how you, what that team guy mentality was. She just did it. Was, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Pretty awesome. Yeah. All right. Sorry to interrupt you. Get back to your story. I'm sorry. Oh, well, no. I mean, like, that, that's a good way, I think, to start the story because the, I had such quick success in the sport. I've done three Olympics, and I met uh, Marcus and that crew going into my third Olympics. Um, leading into that Games, I had uh, eight surgeries. I lost my father, um, you know, shattered my, part of the surgery was shattering my kneecap twice. Pretty much anything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And I had gone into that season feeling like I had done everything right, paid my dues to the universe, like nothing could stop me. Apparently the universe didn't care and I got a concussion. Um, so I was out there getting treatment with these team guys. They, they were there for TBIs. And I was going into my, um, my third Olympics just feeling sorry for myself. I was just like, dude, why does this happen again? I'm injured <laughs> again. Like I have 45 days from the Olympics. I can't think straight. Like. I was really confused all the time, high anxiety, just like, just con concussed. And um, the first night I got there, I, I sat, we, I was staying in the same hotel as the team guys. Um, and I think it was Tage I was talking to the first oh. night. Tage! Tage! Warpath Project. Warpathproject.com. <laughs> Warpath Project! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think Rob was there. Explaining them like, oh, I, I hit my head sledding and um and told them my story. And then they told me, you know, they didn't really he didn't really talk about himself or and Rob didn't talk about himself, but he talked about like Marcus and Tyne, like everyone else that was there. And um I, in that instant I was like, I am being a little bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, wow, like these guys can go out there damaged, like beaten to hell and still fight and crawl themselves back, you know, back to safety and survive for the U S I'm going to the Olympics. I was going to the Olympics and I was feeling sorry for myself. And in that instant, I was just like, it, it like talking to you guys and hanging around you guys. It, it revived what I already had, had been taught from my father on like that fire, that natural fire that exists inside me to remember how to fuel that. And it's not by focusing on the glory or what it means. It's just like going out there and and fighting because you can and because it's fun and like bringing out that um, that relaxed chaos that just is is a happy place for me. And um, so I like I honestly think that you know if I end up getting this medal in Sochi, like I got I ended up fourth, but I wouldn't have been able to do that without resetting my mentality before going to the Olympics from talking to you guys. I mean, there's so much there to explain about how that, that mentality affects your performance. Cause it's not about being a hundred percent. We'll talk about that for sure. I, I just, you know, help us help our audience members, you know, what they get to that point where, you know, uh, you know, cause when we chatted, one of the beautiful things was, you know, you got after years and years and years and years getting right up to that point where you're in Sochi, the competition and all that, so help our, you know, paint that beautiful picture of what that's like uh, in the, at the highest level of competition in your sport and what happened then. Well, I mean, 
it's hard to explain. So I got into the sport really quick, had a lot of success. Um, I won, I got, I went to the Olympics after my second year. Um, and I got sixth. And then the following year I won the overall world cup. I, I think I won like over half the races. Basically I'd stepped to the line and it was like, she's going to get a medal 75% chance and 50% chance she's going to win. Um, so, and then I started doing skiing. So I'd gotten to a point where I was like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to retire or not. I, I might go do another sport. Um, but I, I dominated and then I lost my father and, uh, it, it's hard to describe it. It like, it took away my foundation. Can you, can you describe, um, can you tell uh, our audience members about your dad and, and his past as a, a professional athlete a little bit? Well, I mean, he instilled my idea of sport because he was a major league baseball player. His name was Ted Ulander and he played for uh, the twins, the majority of his career, but also the big red machine um, with Johnny bench and uh, Pete Rose and all those guys. Um, he was, he was my hero. I mean, he, he, uh, he could use his 264 batting average to line up his crosshairs and, and uh, split frogs hair at 500 yards. Like he's just, he was a true champion Wow! and <laughs> never let excuses get in the way of success. And uh, taught me that your, your success in life mostly comes down to how much heart you put in. Um, and so I tried to keep all of that in mind. Uh, but I, my, I think six weeks after he passed away, I ended up shattering my kneecap and that was going into the 2010 Olympics. And I had won, uh, I was number one in the world for the two, two years running going into it. Um, and yeah, I went to that Olympics just completely broken. I, I didn't want to go. I, I just wanted my dad. So I ended up getting 11th in that one. And then the, the following, the, after that, it was just a matter of like trying to pick up the broken pieces and figure things out. But I was, was kind of resentful and, and angry that I lost my father. At 24, it's just like, he'll never walk me down the aisle. He'll never see me win my Olympic medal. Like, I was just so angry about these things. And I remember having a conversation with Carl Lewis for a good two hours because he lost his father at a young age. And he was telling me, um, he's like, you know, one day you realize that your father left you with all the tools you need to, to, to be successful in life. And I was so pissed. I just turned to him and I was like, well, where is the toolbox? I'm like, where the hell is it? (laughs) (laughs) Right. it was such great advice, but I was, I was just a, a bratty, I'm, I'm not a bratty little kid, but I was just angry. And it was a few years later that I wrote him and I was like, you know what? Thank you. Like, you're right. I do have all these tools. I just had to let go. Um, how did you, how did you let go though? I mean, I, you know, we, in, in our world, we lose, I mean, we've lost so many teammates and close friends over the last 16 years. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that anybody's actually functioning in the teams, but it's, you know, it's such a part of our our mi- mindset that this, hey, as a war fighter, you're going to lose somebody. But we have a natural, you know, we the energy we take automatically after that person passes or gets killed or whatever to get back in a fight, to, to stay focused and drive on. You know, that's not normal for civilians or for anybody else. So how did you finally say, you know, all right, I'm, I'm not going to let my father's death, you know, keep me in the ditch and, and get back in, in the fight. Yeah. I mean, that's a tough thing, man. Cause when I, when he first passed away, I had, I had to go to world championships four days later. Oh, and yeah. And it was one year from the opening ceremonies to Vancouver. 
So I, I like, at that point, I think I just kind of like shut off and I just did everything out of duty. But the, but the problem with that is for me is, is my heart and, is, and my passion is what makes me perform at the level that I do. So finding a way to be able to let go, um, I mean, had a lot to do with, I felt guilty, to be honest. Like, I felt like I should have been there taking care of him while he had cancer instead of competing. Um, he passed away while I was racing. I talked to him 45 minutes before he passed away. And, um, man, it was crazy because he, he was an old school throwback kind of guy. And he, we didn't talk on, when we talked on the phone, it was like maybe 15 minutes. And right. he rarely said, I love man, you. That's a long time for, for, them, for that generation. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like, uh, that's a, that's a, oh, oh, I, what are you, that's like an entire interview, right? Uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, but because we, when we spoke to each other or the way that we communicated was mostly through common sense, you know, like there was an expectation of how to behave and what to say. And like when he told me he was proud of me or he loved me, it was like freaking one of the best days ever because it was very, very significant and special. And I knew he always did, but it was like, if we actually like said those things, it was big. And I remember talking to him and he, he was telling me he had to buy all these cattle. And I thought it was so weird, but he kept talking to me about the cows. And then he told me he loved me like 20 times. I was like, something's up. And, uh, I hadn't been winning that season because he was sick. I, was, I mean, I got, like, a lot of third and fourth places, but I, I normally win a lot. I like it. And um, he's like, what's your deal? Why aren't, why aren't you winning? Like, that's exactly what he said to me. That's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, because like, you're sick and I should be there. And he goes, he goes that's, that's horse shit. <laughs> <laughs> I love this right. guy. Because <laughs> mentally he yeah, wasn't sick. Like, right? yeah, I no. mean, that, that's the pass down. I'm going to listen to you talking. We've known each other for a while now. And that crew of the guys that you fell into, I mean, you, you said it perfectly. We're not hurt. We were injured. You know, you had a concussion and we had concussions too. And then that dynamic of guys that you fell into, the powerhouse, Tiny Tage, Rob, I mean, been together forever, been around forever. And each one of those guys' experiences is unique to them, kind of like yours are, right? Yeah. And what Rut was saying about mm -hmm. how all of our guys die, and we we mourn their death a certain way, then we then right when we put them in the ground, most of the guys that we put in the ground, they were with us when we put the guy before the guy before them in the ground, and they and we always talk about it. And when after that's over, then we live to live out their life, their I mean, memory, right? Yeah, we're it's not, not them, and I'm, you know, I miss them, everything like that, man. We we get back on the line and we go out because that's what they did. Uh, before, before. And, and that's what they would want us to do, man. And, I, and everything your dad taught me and how close you were. I remember when, hearing you say that, man. You know, I, I started out real quick and I was the best, and and that's great. But what we talk about a lot of times on this show, man, is it's those hard times that really escalate the good times and, and bring that out. And everything your dad taught you, yeah, the physical part of it. But when he was laying on bed, and it's hard to look past this, but this is what we do, man. It's the mental part that is what you learned from, right? How he said he loved you in those sentences about. Uh, not winning. It's like, hey, you know, I'm I'm still here. Don't think about me being sick because my mind is sharp. That's that's kind of what I took from that. And when it when you did lose your father, man, just when I saw you in that when we were uh, going through that that treatment stuff, man, look, we sent you out amongst back into your team as one of us as a Navy <laughs> SEAL, man, because of that mentality you have and that that does code to yourself and to your father as his teammate and. You think you were good before that mental strength and that toughness you have after losing your father and having to compete in that moment, man, it, it sets a uh, a baseline, if you will, that, that you can't you can't 
can't go past it that, right? You know shift. how far you can go down and still compete. So anything else is just, there is no 100% for us, right? Everyone's like, yo, I need you right. 100% today, man. Well, when I wake up, man, even if I am if I got my arm cut off, well, I'm 100% of what you got here, right? Yeah. All, at all times. So when you come off the line, it's uh, you gave it everything ahead, and you did. So, I mean, so Katie, it's the trigger of getting back in the fight, getting back to training, getting back, taking the memory of her father, taking that old school influence, like suck it up and get back out there. Katie, when did that? Because he never told you while he was training. He never told you. And our parents did not to get in the fight. Oh, yeah. yeah. And now that he passed oh, away, yeah, I was yeah. like, man, I think I'm going to quit. I'm going to stop. I'm like, man, I don't remember ever being to- him telling me that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Nor that's would she, they. Right, nor nor would, they. would they. And that's just, I mean, yeah, you, it's the missing. He's not watching kind of deal, but he is. Always. And, and it took him stepping to the side to say, watch what she does now. And, and when did that click for you, Katie? You know, I, I think it was progressive because nothing like happens in an instant. But part of the reason I was telling that story about him calling me is because it took me a long time to realize that in that conversation, he was telling me not to worry about him and that what made him happy was me doing me. Like, he was like, go to the line and dance. Because I, I put my headphones on and I'm the most annoying person ever at the start house because it's like no one else is there. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll just, I'll just be dancing. I'll be in my own world and like just giving zero F words. And then, <laughs> and I'll go to the line and just do my thing and everyone else is there stressing out. And and when I, I started to forget that, because like when he passed away, I went too hardcore into like what I thought he wanted me to do. And when I was finally able to let go, like I guess I was just kind of mad. I was like, God, why'd you take my dad? Like I needed him for more than just sport. Once I was able to let go of that and like realize that toolbox was me carrying on his legacy in a way that shows his genetics are awesome. Like the U-landers are something to be reckoned with. I was like, oh, well, that's just me doing me to the, the fullest extent. Like, like what Marcus is talking about, like just, just taking 100% of what I got right now and, and throwing it out there. And that shows the legacy that he left behind. So just like embracing that more and more and listening less and less to what I should do and more to my heart and what it desires. Because I feel like that's where the Holy Spirit resists, like exists for me. And so when I'm, when I'm listening to my heart and, and the Holy Spirit, then I'm basically getting a free pass to go be a kid for the rest of my life and like Amen. And kill it, basically. Amen. Yeah, perfect. Just when you, you let go. You, let, right? you, you gotta let go. Let go. I remember you kept saying to me, when your dad gives you your toolbox, man, when he passed away, then the moment you said, let, when you let it go, man, you are the toolbox. It's, it's all yeah. in you already. And once you... I think that's the part about it, man. Once you figure that out, once you understand that everything you were training for, everything on the outside that you're looking at that you want to to be a part of you, it is. And you, and you, and it's you, already it's a, there. Yeah, it's a gradual thing. There. Like you said, you don't realize it, but like, man, that part is, and once that you get that let it go moment, man, and that aha, like, man, I got this. Then sitting on that line is no different than it was when he was watching you or any other time, man. And once you realize that, then and you get after it. You know you got everything it takes, so whatever I got, it's going to blow right here, right now. So, Katie, Exactly. T- and, Go and ahead. I mean, not to cut you off, but it's also like, it goes beyond, it, it even goes a step farther because you go beyond even caring about what the results are because you're just there to throw down. For the ride, And I'm yeah, going to say exactly. that is the most exhilarating feeling ever to just be like, and, and also your competitors or whoever's around you, if they see that in your eyes that you don't care if you lose and you're just there to bring everything you have and all the rage and fire that lives inside of you, they either crumble 
or they step up. And that's like, even, even watching that happen, that's, it's, that's what I live for. It's invigorating. It uh, makes you go even better and I guess even that's harder. That's a great yeah. way of saying that, though. If you give, a, if you lose that part about the the what my time is and the metal count and stuff like that, and you just look around at the guys fix, and, and the people fixing a ride against you, and you go, "Hey, man, we're about to find out who's going to have the most fun or enjoys this sled the best." Oh, right? absolutely. And, and get, has that kind of way. We're not in front of the world right now. We're out in the middle of nowhere with just us up here. Let's see who can do this. But, well, you know the, same, the same, the yeah. like, same, I mean, you look at our environment, right? Now, how many times have you been overseas where it was sketchy and hairy and someone's cracking jokes right in the middle of it? Because uh, they've been, <laughs> exactly, like, all right, all right, all right. You, you know what I mean? He it's, knows something I don't, even if he doesn't. It, I like that. I'm thinking yeah. that he does, yeah. and we're good, I, I, we're good I, now. Yeah. Hey, we're driving through a massive minefield, and yeah. someone's like, oh, man, you know, hope that, that cluster rocks isn't a big yeah, you know, like, anti-tank man, I, mine. When we get back, I hope we don't have the, the peas and the mystery meat <laughs> Green, you know what I mean? I'm like, wonder what's for dinner. Yeah, what? Wonder- <laughs> what? I'm like, we're gonna find out what you had for lunch if we're not careful. You know exactly, what I mean? exactly. So, Katie, let t- tell us now about. All right, you got you 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 let it go. You got invigorated again. Sochi's coming. You're training hard. Tell us about that whole experience of getting into that Olympics now. Uh, and, and just what that's like and what's driving you and, and what you're thinking about in, in that whole time frame. Well, I mean, honestly, I, I went into the season the best shape of my life. And, and I, I think part of the problem was I, I got a little millennial, maybe. Like, I started to expect because I had so much success and I finally was doing everything I was supposed to be doing, like focus on skeleton, training really hard. I was lean, ripped, best shape of my life. I was like... I got this. This is mine. I earned it. I deserve it. And the universe, like seven days into my, my the, being on ice, I got a concussion. And um, it was basically like, yeah, we don't care what you think you deserve. <laughs> and uh, I, I couldn't train. Like I, I, I would try to get a workout and my heart rate would get up around 120 and I'd start to pass out. I couldn't see clearly. Like if I was having a conversation with someone and they moved their head around, I couldn't track their eyes. Um, and I always felt like I was going a little bit to the left, like Zoolander. (laughs) (laughs) That's the worst part about it, right? When you're drip with the drift is what I call it. After you get a concussion, right? Yeah. Which is like, wait, hold on. Like you wide swing somebody to get a handshake in there. Like, hey, what's up, buddy? You try and police up what's left. (laughs) And your head hurt. I mean, it's in the head hurts so bad, right? But your body just feels lame. Yeah. Because of it. Like nothing's firing. Nothing's firing. It's like being like constantly drunk. Like it's just, but not in a good way. Kind of a problem when you're, when when you're, you know. Going 90 miles an hour. On a cookie sheet. Yeah, on a cookie sheet. I remember when I was like, hey, come down, check it out. And all I kept thinking was Randy Quaid from vacation when he put the, uh, from Christmas vacation. I was like, nah, you know, I got this this part right here. I don't want to mess it up. If I get on one of those and crash going 90 miles an hour into a, I mean, dude, just to get down, everyone talks a good game, dude, but it's kind of like when you get up there and you, you see exactly what's fixing oh, to go down. Everything here. changes. Yeah. dude. Why, why have yeah. the skeleton at all? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of what, when she's going down like that, man, with, the amount of distance between that. Well, because some crazy, crazy son of a bitch was just like, hey, how can we make this even more entertaining? <laughs> right. I can't wait. They're just going to start putting the sheet inside their, their uniform, and it's literally going to be like, watch this. Whoa. 
<laughs> then I'll try out, right? Because you can't separate the sheep. <laughs> That's when you're gonna call me and like, hey, Runt, man, I, I, I think I'm gonna go try this, man. It's totally. Hey, come away, yeah. I got a great idea. Hey, let's go. Let's go up to Colorado and get on this thing. Now there's no cookie sheet. It's yeah. just us diving down the ice. All right, so well, Kate, you guys are invited. You guys need to come out. I'm just saying. Oh, see? It's see? On. dude, you do not want to throw that out with this crowd because the wizard right now is like, the, you know, he's shaking his head. He's like, I'll be there next oh, week. Oh, yeah, because yeah. we're going to take a skeleton on the downhill. <laughs> oh, on the ski team. Right? That's where you'll find us oh, later on. Like, All right, man, let's see if we can make this even more dangerous. All right, Katie, so you, you, your brain gets bruised. And you, you know, you go now all of a sudden you're surrounded by a bunch of insane team guys. And what happens next? Let me just interject this part. When I walked out of the, I just got done spinning. So when I got out of the room, I walked in and you're saying brain injury. I, Doc looked at me, he's like, I think you got a little, you're registering up like something got some down syndrome going on. My, <laughs> my, my concussion was so bad. And I walked out, she's out there fixing the, I mean, it was a madhouse. And we, Man, our, the program's good to go. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she went out and, and nailed it in the, killed it in the Olympics. And well, I, apparently it is good to go because if you go from that place to 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 performing like you did, did you have any imagination, Katie, that you know, as you're, you know, as you get launched out of there by some, you know, great motivation, that you would, did you think about, oh man, I'm I'm ready for this, or what? What were you thinking about to to get you motivated to get there? Well, I mean, I let go. I mean, I started thinking about all those things my father had taught me. And and you know what? I can't even, it's hard to explain because, and I think the only people that truly get it are the ones that have it. And and I truly believe that, the, and as I get older, it's, it's becoming more and more confirmed that there's a 1% out there that get this. 1% of the people in the world understand that fire that you have in, in your chest that you just like, if you don't focus it on something or utilize it. And, you know, for me, it's like it's whatever talent you have um, and the Holy spirit is trying to guide you to do, then then your, your energy is going to go the wrong way. And I think that was, that was where I was at when I went in there. And when I left, I remembered that I didn't have to try that hard. I just had to do me and seeing those guys um, do them and like have their camaraderie and like, when we were doing our exercises and like shooting the shit in between um, treatments and, and, and it just started to remind me like, Oh, like I compete because I love to compete. It's not for the glory. It's not for the medals. It's because I'm meant to be the best version of myself that I can possibly be. And it's really fun to be around other people that have that desire to just push it to the edge. And so when I left, I wasn't thinking about winning a medal or um, how damaged I was. Like I was when I came in, I was thinking, I'm going to Russia and I'm going to bring the cheeseburger and fries I ate to the line and bring it. Like I was just going to fight. Like I wasn't going to think about what I hadn't done, how damaged I was or what I hadn't prepared for because I hadn't been able to train. Um, I was basically just doing the bare minimum to get by. And I still wasn't recovered when I went to the Olympics. Like I, I still had vision disruption. Um, I was definitely better, but I, I needed a good month off or six weeks to have my brain heal, and I just didn't have that opportunity. And and hearing Marcus's story especially uh, struck me because I was just like, dang, man, like, if if he can do that, and, and all I have to do is go sledding, like, I really don't have, a, <laughs> have anything to bitch about. I just need to go to the line and fight. And so that's, that was my plan. I'm, I was like, I'm just going to take every day, and every little thing I need to do and do the best I can in that moment. And then if I make a mistake, I'll just debrief that mistake and make a different one next time. So my goal was just to like 
do the best uh, uh, version of myself in every moment and, and not worry about anything else. And it took the pressure off a little bit, but it also like fired me up because I was like, I love performing. I love competing. I love pushing myself to the edge. And I was like, why am I passing up this opportunity by sitting here and thinking about the wrong things? Like if I think about the process and everything I did wrong and I'm focused on that, like how am I going to move forward? So I just, I just need to shift my mentality to looking at what to do right next instead of what went wrong. And, and you so, did. And that's the amazing thing about it. And you did. And the interesting thing is, you know, again, and this creates a whole nother part of the segment of the show is you, you went out there and you did perform and you missed meddling with a bronze by 0.04. And, 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 you know, Share with our audience members, you know, the, that experience and just how close that is, if you could. You can't blink that fast. Like 400 over, over four miles. Of, like there are four runs. Each run's about a mile long. And so essentially I drove really well. And I remember like I got on my sled and, I, and when the sled vibrates, you know, on the ice, I can't see. Like I, my vision was really blurry like kind of scrambled. It was getting better. I remember going into curve one and that was usually when I'd start to panic. I was like, I can't see. And then like that negative thought train would start. I'd be like, well, this is like, all this stuff's going to go wrong. And I thought back to those guys when I loaded on my sled or you guys. And I was like, no, fuck that. I'm going for it. You know, so I put my head down and I was just like, take it, like ride the wave, figure it out, be smooth. Like what's the worst gonna, that's going to happen? you crash. Oh, well. So I just like, I don't know. I just went and embraced it. And I had the time of my life. The girl that beat me, um, the only reason she beat me is, uh, she had a start that was about two or three times faster than mine, which is pretty ridiculous. Cause I'm pretty quick. Um, and now it turns out that, uh, with the Sochi doping scandal that I might be in line for a medal if they end up reallocating, uh, wow. the medals due, due to them. Like, the FSB switching out the the urine samples at the Olympic Games. Yeah, well, we, we were talking about that earlier. Just think about how how quick you are and how ready you were that the, the time that you got beaten by by somebody that was it, it, in training. You know, wasn't concussed, wasn't all yeah. this, and and doping, and doping, and, doping. and she still barely beat you. <laughs> I mean, that, that's yeah. that's kind of what I'd be like. Yep. But, that but, says it all right there. But, but I mean. the thing is, she didn't beat her, you know. And and my question now to you is, Katie, you know, how how what is the process? Who's fighting for you to to get that medal? I mean, you know, who's in your corner and and who's getting behind you to 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 say, you know what, this is BS. These guys are cheaters, and and you know, our 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 Katie deserves her medal. Who's doing that for you? Well, you know, the, the Olympic world is, is a lonely world, man. Like, you know, we're not paid. I'm a volunteer. So I volunteer to go compete in the United States. And, and what I realized after that Olympic Games is that I was too reliant on the little bit of support I was getting from the USOC. I mean, I'll take that support happily. But it, I want to make sure this next time going into Korea that I have everything I need. So I went out and got a job. Um, and I got a lot of letter, letters of recommendation from the team guys I was with, so thank you. And, uh, and it helped a lot. Um, but now I'm going into it like I can't, I can't rely on anyone to help me get that medal in so- from Sochi, and I would love to. 
but now my focus has shifted to, you know, it's, it's out of my control. Um, the, the leadership is going to have to do it. And they're assuring me that, you know, that they're doing what they can through WADA and they have lawyers and stuff. But my focus has shifted to making sure that I debrief from going into Sochi and ensure I don't make any of those same mistakes and that I have a little bit more uh, freedom to do what I need to do to perform. So with the job I have, I'm working remotely um, and I'm using all that money towards sports. I'm not living luxuriously, like definitely sleeping on air mattresses and stuff. Uh, what I want to know, Katie, is... Yeah, we'll, we'll is, cover you in T&Q swag. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to know is, is t- can you give our listeners a brief recap on the magnitude of the doping scandal, you know, who initiated it, and why it's such a massive deal? Uh, it, it's just as bad as the doping was back in the 80s with the Eastern Europeans. Um, basically, the Russian Ministry of Sport uh, has been proven to initiated statewide doping. So they basically hand out uh, anabolic steroids and whatever banned substances to their athletes. Um, but what makes it worse, I think, is you know some athletes are claiming that they chose not to do it, which I find unlikely. Uh, but but the, the worst part is the Russian USADA, like their anti-doping agency, was falsifying results. They, they got rid of 1,500 urine samples. Uh, they destroyed them. 1,500? I think that's a, I think my, the number might be higher now. Oh, my God. But essentially, God. their entire uh, system, doping system, is tainted. None of the results are reliable. If an athlete says they're, they're clean, you have no way of knowing if it's true or not. And they were notified when they were being tested uh, abroad. They were... Uh, basically, I guess the world championships they had in 2015 in, in Moscow. I'm not really sure if that's where it was. They, they did what they did in Sochi. They switched out the doping samples of the athletes that medaled. Um, so in Sochi, what they did is they allowed their athletes to dope during the Olympic Games since it was a home game. They created a hole in the wall, and they hired the FSD to facilitate uh, transporting the urine samples out of the laboratory and switching them with new clean samples. So right now there's no evidence that the athletes are doping, but there's no evidence that they weren't because they have no doping records. And then the only thing we have at the moment is evidence that the samples were tampered with. So we're basically waiting on the investigation to finish. And then um, if the right thing is done, they will reallocate the medals. And and who who is fighting for you on on your part? I mean, I that that's I mean that sounds like you got the Russian government all the way to its highest intelligence apparatus, you know, involved in their you know desire to win or cover up with. <laughs> yeah, that's just being here. They didn't have anything going on. Yeah, we're not talking about a cab driver throwing yeah, the no, in, in the I mean, truck and driving down to the former factory. KGB agents, uh, you know, and. Hey, well, who's fighting for you, Katie? Who, who's got your back on this? You know, I have no idea. I know that USADA was doing um, their best to fight, the world, which is the United States Anti-Doping Agency, and then the World Anti-Doping Agency is, is trying to do what they can. But honestly, like, it's just little old me over here, and I'm, I'm one person out of, like, I don't know how many countries that were affected by yeah, this. I was going to ask you, is there a number on the, on the Olympian? Like, in a situations or similar situations like yours where it was 
down to the wire between uh, another country and a Russian uh, athlete. I wonder how many people got beat, got like, screwed by, like by tenths of a second. Is there a lot of other people that lost medals because of this? Oh, that was hundreds, not tenths. Tenths are a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, the as far as I know, I'm the only American. Damn right, it's a lot. A tenth (laughs) and a hundred is a lot. My bad. Yeah, no, squirt. I'm the one that did that. I did that, yeah. (laughs) I told you, man, she hung out with us, dude. She Oh, she's fiery. (laughs) That's up, dude. Five, three, pit bull, 60 gunner over here. Yeah. Um, No, I think I'm the only American that stands to get a medal from it, and everyone else would be upgraded. Uh, There there is a, a Swiss. Bob Sutter, Hefty, that would become Olympic champion, and then uh, the Latvians would uh, also be upgraded to gold. Uh, I'm sure there's other sports. Those are the only ones I know in the sliding sport, um, but it definitely goes beyond the United States, and it goes beyond my situation. It's uh, it's one of those things, you know, like my dad was telling me, and that I'm having to put into practice all the time. Like, when I went to Sochi, like, I can't focus on the bad or the things I can't control. The only thing I can control is my integrity. And, you know, I had my integrity the whole time, but especially now, like, I don't want to be caught up in accusations, getting angry, pointing fingers. The only way that I can get back is to show up in Korea and kick everyone's butt. And That's like, a spirit. Oh. That's what I like. Well, well, one of the things I... I exactly. I, we'll be back. Well, one be of right the, back. And, and one of the things I want our listeners to understand, because, right, this whole show is is teaching our listeners that never quit mindset to recognize that... You know, when you've got hundreds of obstacles in front of you, when the adversity is overwhelming, when the combat of life is pummeling, you, you just you wake up and you fight and you, and you work hard. Well, for help our listeners understand the struggle of a typical Olympic athlete in terms of, of sponsorships and financing and, and, and earning a living and feeding yourself as it relates to pursuing this dream. Help, help us paint that picture for our listeners. Would you please, Katie? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not glamorous by any means. It's, it's, and it's not something that I get paid for. I'm literally a volunteer. If I get any support from the United States Olympic Committee, it's very minimal. I'm happy to get it, and there are resources available, but it's spread out amongst a lot of athletes, and I'm not really sure how it works. Um, and so can the mean, independent corporations or like private family, can we, is, is it possible to sponsor an athlete, Olympic athlete, to pay for their training and all the way up to the day y'all leave? <clears throat> Yeah, it's, I happily accept sponsors. Um, they're just, I don't know why, but it's really difficult to, to, to get sponsors unless you're someone like Lindsey Vaughn or um, Lolo Jones. You know, um, if you don't have a big name in the media, it's really tough for, to, for, for people to want to back you. So, well, well, one of the crazy um, things that I, I read about when I was, you know, we were doing some research on you, when, when you look back at some of the, the great stories in this, you know, one in particular is Ronda Rousey, you know, you know, winning the the medal in her Olympics in judo and then having to live out of her car and ultimately sell her car to survive afterwards. Or, or, or you know, you talk about there's a, a two-time Olympic javelin guy who said the most he's ever earned in a year is 3000 bucks. I mean, that's crazy town. What, what, what allows you, I mean, what's driving you to, to keep competing after all these years with really, I mean, you know, quite frankly, I mean, it's not like you're going to become a millionaire 
uh, uh, in the sport of skeleton? Well, I mean, there's so many different things I could say, but I, I, I'll just I'll bring it down to this one moment where I, I was in high school and I ended up uh, living on my own. My dad was really old school, as you know, and he worked for baseball. Uh, my mother and I didn't really get along, and she she left me on the side of the road at 16, and and it was kind of abusive. So I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm going to go back. And I decided to hitchhike into town with nothing. Um, and I went to the bank where I'd saved a bunch of money from working on a dude ranch as a kid. And I had awesome. a bunch of money in there. She ended up spending most of it, though, because she had access to the account. So the only thing left was 100 bucks. And I was like, okay, I'll take that in, in a $100 bill. So I took that. I went over to my buddy's place, and I was like, can I stay on your couch? Um, you know, I, I told him what happened. He was like, cool. So we ended up going out that night. And, and the next morning, I woke up, and I was hungry. And I was like, dude, I have no food. I don't have anywhere to live. Wow. I have nothing. And I, I looked in my hand, and I had this $100 bill. And I was like, that's my life. So I folded it up into a paper airplane. And I said, hey, Cordell, which was my buddy. And I threw it. And I said, hey, there goes my life. And I started laughing. Because <laughs> in that moment, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like, I have so much in me and so much fight. It was just innate. And that's what I was trying to say about the top 1%. Like, I didn't give, I gave zero about anything other than what was in my heart. And I knew that I had something to offer the world and I was going to just go. Like, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know. I definitely didn't plan on going headfirst on a cookie sheet, but I just knew I had something to offer and I was just going to go hard. And um, I, money doesn't define that for me. So I'm not trying to chase money. I'm not trying to chase glory. I literally am just following the inkling in my heart that, you know, it's like this opportunity presents itself and it's time to go and it's time to like show what you have. And I, I honestly believe I am where I'm supposed to be. So I just try to enjoy every moment. Like it, the nights that I'm sleeping on air mattresses on the floor or I'm like having to cut back on food because, you know, ultimately I need to save money for the season. I just keep thinking about how blessed I am to even be experiencing the things I'm doing, meeting the people I'm doing. And, and I truly believe God has me where he wants me. So um, I don't really know how to answer that, like, because I don't think of things as like, oh, well, I need to have money, or I need to have a house, or I need to have a husband. I don't think of those things. I just, I just enjoy where I am in the moment and feel blessed to be able to show my talent. Well, you, 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 you hurtled over the biggest one of them, and it's service to your country. I mean, just like you said, I mean, we we sign up for the military to to serve our country. Olympians are serving our country uh, abroad and competing against. Um, we can't be there with you. You know what I'm saying? A lot of those sportsmen represent the world. Exactly. You're wearing the the flag just like we do. And I mean, the, the intensity and everything and the reward is there. I mean, a lot of similarities in in what we have to do in defending our country and what you guys and and the attitude you have to have to go out and, and grind and grind on it. I mean, and I remember when we were in the team, it's never about the money. You don't, I don't even, you don't even think about it really. Dude, I made my last eight years and I was making $32,000 a year. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I <laughs> that's probably more than I make right now. I, 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 just, uh, I graduated buds at seventeen hundred and twelve dollars in my show. I thought that man, you I were was rich. rich dude. <laughs> you were like, rich. Oh God, look at this! <laughs> and you went out and blew it. And, and blew, yeah, 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 of course. <laughs> because just like you said, the air mattresses. I mean, when we were in and you're 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 training, you're going through all this, man. We we eight of us living in one house, 
since some guys were on deployment, some guys were in workup, and, and then you altered and then, uh, sleeping arrangements, and it was a race to get who would get home to get the the bed or the couch or the chair or in the kitchen and all yeah. stuff like that. So there's there's different stages in your life that that you live out and you live. We we talk about this all the time, man. Right now you're in that you're in service to country. Sacrifices mm-hmm. that that athletes and military people make is is all worth it. Do for the rewards of just being able to stand up there and, and represent your country. That's well, yeah. she's serving yeah. her country. She's serving the memory of her father. She's serving her own soul. She's serving sure. the hot Holy Spirit. It, right? I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, that's all wound up under her, you know, carrying the banner of America and competing in this dream to, to win gold. I mean, and, and, and that's what you're doing, Katie. I mean, your, your dream, your desire is, you literally is say to win the gold. Best in the world. And I mean, that's just it. And and to go back to what you're saying, like I'm not there for the glory, or like for sure, there's nothing like representing my country and and knowing that I'm representing my father's legacy and and everyone at home and and everyone that helped me get there. That medal that I lost in Sochi, that wasn't my medal. The the journey is what makes it worth it for me. The experience, like I'm the vessel. I'm the one that's just allowed to be a kid and go out and do me. That 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 medal is America's medal. That medal it belongs to the p- people that helped me get there. When when that medal was taken from me in Sochi by four hundredths of a second, it felt like I got punched in the gut because my I hurt my friends. You know, I felt like I let my friends down, my let my country down wow. for a second, and and like that's why I'm so motivated to go back in Korea. And I'm just I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna be that vessel. I'm going to throw down for my own reasons, but if I win, if I win, it's not mine. It's America's. I love it. Well, Katie, I mean, that's, that's awesome. Well, and the we- experiences and, 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 and all that, they go with doing multiple Olympics, man. When you're walking in, into Korea, it's, you know, they're looking like, oh, it's, well, she's, she's dominant. the old guard now right, and she's man. got the experience. She's got the they're commitment. Coming, they're chasing and, you. Oh, uh, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, we're, we're super fired up for you, and, and listen, we're excited to get you back in the After Actions Report here in just a minute, but uh, for the main body of the show, man, Katie, thank you so much for coming on, show, sharing with uh, our audience your 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 multiple Never Quit stories. I mean, it's your life is incredible. You're a true testament to the Never Quit mindset, and, and we feel just really blessed having you on, so thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. I had fun. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that... <laughs> talk about impressive. Talk about a person who's got perspective on her profession, her place in life, her quest, her legacy. I mean, Katie's remarkable, brother. Seen a lot. She's seen a lot, and and just you know when you when you when you take a step back and you think to yourself, my God, to be as disciplined, right? Discipline, as she talked about, it's just it, it's ingrained in her. It's just it's not actually discipline. It's just her her focus, right? Yeah, mentally, and then going out and then tapping it in there is when she goes out and does it physically. And when you marry those two up, when when you're what you do physically matches up with what you do mentally, then that's that's the reward, and that's what we're like, man, I want more of that go out and keep striving and thriving. And her dad put that in her at a young age and she's just kept, that's probably why she had that speed bump. <laughs> probably shouldn't say that's it. not speed bump, right? Well, terrible, I mean, so we, no, I mean, no, I mean she, <laughs> she'd do the same thing. I mean, when yeah. you, when you have that, 
That happened with her mom. She's like, speed bump, huh? I'm like, hey, all right. <laughs> Listen, I mean, the way everybody knows how we describe certain <laughs> massive exactly. things. We, 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 Our we speed bump is dismantled tanks. People die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Clear. Well, I, I want to I flush out something you just said because it was fascinating to me. And I think our guests need to understand that more, Marcus, is the connection between the physical and the mental and the emotional and the spiritual and how those things tie together in the never quit mindset. So if you could, it, it, you know, help them understand that you can't separate those. No, it's in my opinion, this is why they're there, right? So you have that mental discipline, then mentally you figure out what it is you want to accomplish in life. Then you have to physically go out and just, you know, up, you got your eyes to go in a certain direction. You have to look first, right? You get that idea. You look in that direction you go and then you start training little by little. People see the end game. We keep talking about that. And they want that end game. Absolutely. Yeah. But you need to be able to separate the two. You got to go and start to climb a mountain. You got to start at the bottom, right? <laughs> and as you progress through that, the mental challenges you face and the physical challenges you face will start to marry up, right? They'll, they'll, they'll be equal. And once you realize that whatever it is in your mind that you can, and you, baby step it with your body to learn it or if you're special if you got if you can pick it up great but the more you practice it and the, the physical part of it eventually you'll know when you know something or you have learned something because you can it sinks it, right you, it do, you sinks can do it very up. well and you can teach it to somebody else now so, you're talking and, dude that's, I mean, that's awesome that's the ultimate discipline is when you that old saying when when the when the teacher is ready the student will appear right and that's yep. when you know you're making that transition it happens when you have kids and, uh, well, it, I think it happens in a bunch of ways. Kids seem to hone it in because you got to figure you got you, you can't just wing being a parent. Yeah, let me back right? that up. Yeah, it definitely happens when you have kids, <laughs> right? <laughs> we all we all seek spiritual enlightenment, but well, I, I, I that, think that, it's the perfect example of that is what you and I are doing right now, right? You know, we found this great avenue for us to be able to take a lifetime of experiences, whether it's in the SEAL teams or as athletes or or as speakers or whatever it is we've been focusing on as authors, you, you name it. But it's now delivering that tutelage through our guests, through our interpretation of their things, and then to give it to the listeners. Right. Perfect way of saying that. I mean, the way <laughs> I, I look exactly look at it the same way, except for it's one of the deals where we, we've been put in multiple situations from in the SEAL teams to writers to Hollywood to public speaking and stuff. And we've experienced the good and the bad on both sides of that. And once you've experienced, that's how you know if you're having it a good- It ties together. Yeah, it ties yeah. it together. And then it lends a perspective that's uh, unique other than just having the one one side of it. One of the things the, that really stands out for me in that, you you can't you can't force this stuff. I mean, you know, Katie's, you know, when her when her father passed away before what was it, the 2010 Olympics when she was out there yeah. and competing, you know, much like Dan Jansen's sister passing away, you know, she couldn't fast she couldn't fast track that grief. She couldn't fast track yeah. that pain. Yeah, you know, perfect. exactly. There's some of that stuff you can't jump past. No. That's a great way of saying that, man. And, and that's what comes with experience. So as you, people look at us like we handle death kind of in a strange way, man, it's because we've had to handle it so much. Exactly. On both sides of it. Yep. And then uh, that's the perspective we have. It, it doesn't matter what it is that you're doing, right? Oh, it, no. Eventually it, well, I remember the first, you know, my, losing the first buddy, right? When Matt Bourgeois got blown up, that was my toughest by far. Not that any of them weren't tough, 
But you, you, like you said, you take a tragedy, you take a challenge, you take adversity, you take an obstacle, and over time, through patience, that discipline, enjoying the journey, like she kept saying, it's the journey that matters, the journey, well, all that stuff, that life experience, eventually, like you're saying, it sinks physically, mentally, spiritually, and gives you a performance capability to endure. Right, and multiple things. Across, right, across the spectrum of what requires to become gifted or elite or It's the difference between reading something and thinking you know it and actually reading it and going out and And doing it. Right. I love that. I love that. Well, I mean, so one of the things before we we wrap this up is, you know, we always reach out to our guests and or our fan base and and people that are paying attention to the podcast. And if you want, you can always go to our website at tnqpodcast.com and listen to the show. Or if you are on the move and you're mobile, what you got to do is you got to get out there and go to iTunes, subscribe to our podcast and just have us on demand so you can listen to all these wonderful shows no matter what. Every show we reach out to our audience and say, hey, listen, we want to hear your greatest never quit stories. We want to or someone that, you know, and their greatest never quit story. So today's comes from us from a fan named Joe. So you ask for a story of never quit toughness. I wish I was tough like Marcus or tough Hedeman, but I'm nowhere near that toughness physically. Yeah, I've taken a beat in the arena last year professionally or in the Armed Forces, or in the Armed Forces Rodeo Association World Finals. In fact, I broke my back in three places and displaced my kidney on the first night, and I still rode my second bull the next day. <laughs> the mo- and, and here's the story. The moments before I climbed atop the chutes are, are full of preparation between stretching, taping across my wrist, hanging the rope on my bull, calming my nerves, I didn't have much time to think. I can hear everything clearly. The background music, the crowd, the announcer. Slides opening and slamming. Bulls jumping and shaking in the chutes as riders slid up to take their wrap and call for the gate. I get a few words of encouragement from my buddies as they do their best to motivate me. And then I climb and to begin my own ride. The moment I climb down on, in, in the chute, everything around me just disappears. The noise of the crowd, the music, all my stress and troubles in life disappear. At that exact moment, it's just me and the bull and the battle of strength, wills and agility of both mental and physical. I heat my rope up and give my buddy the signal to give me some slack as I adjust my rope to position into the exact place I need it to be. I tell my buddy to pull and he pulls the wrap. The entire time, I'm not worried about the bull. Whether he's standing still or fighting the shoot, I trust my spotter and I know he has my back. His faithfulness allows me to focus on the mission at hand. Just as in in life, you cannot go about it on your own. You will not get out and make a ride on one of life's bulls without help. If you try, you'll only be left hurt and alone. Things may seem easy at first, the issues of dealing with the calm. But just like a bull in the shoot, everything's calm, steady, then out of nowhere, it, it blows and whips you down, slamming you into the dirt. And that's when your brothers and sisters step in to lend a handy hand or to pick you up and lighten your load. It all boils down to trust. And in the military and civil services, we learn to trust and learn each other to watch each other's back. I must never forget that. To, and to see your brother or sister struggling, step up in support that they may need help and give them the intestinal fortitude to stand and stay strong enough. I'm better for this. And because of them, I was able to get through a broken back. 
That's pretty powerful stuff right there. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, it goes back to, it reminds me of that Tough Edeman interview, man. And like, why do you have your face smashed in and keep getting back up on that bull? It's just that matter of perspective is just gets me every time. And whenever everybody we have on here and what they do and they're exceptional at it. And they always go, man, what you guys went through ain't nothing compared to what, uh, what it is, is, is they, they, they try and de- they downplay and, 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 uh, versus what maybe a seal has done or what yeah, another and the best person part of what we're trying to do is tell you, man, Hey, if you, if you, it's in the situation, you're prepared to handle anything like they are, or we are, if you prepare yourself to handle multiple situations and multiple ways because it's coming it's coming whatever it's gonna be whether it's a a broken marriage or it's a a a sick uh sibling or a child or you're getting fired from your job no matter what it is you have to remember you possess the qualities and traits of all our guests they're inside you you just have to summon them up and learn to never quit well, Marcus, this has been a great show. I really have enjoyed. I loved having Katie on. Make sure you guys go and visit uh, Katie's After Actions Report. And then if you've got a show or you've got a story, you've been inspired, please go visit the website at tnqpodcast.com. Follow us on uh, Team Never Quit on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Follow Marcus. And, and I'll tell you what, man, we want you to become a, a loyal listener and help us spread the word. Get it out there. If you know somebody's struggling, they're in need they're of some inspiration or motivation, that's why we're here. Well, we always end the show with some thanks. So, Marcus, who are you going to give thanks to today on the show? Thanks to the good Lord for giving me all the gifts that I have. Thanks to my friends for helping me find them. And thank you to my wife. The boss. I love that woman. Yes, you do. I love that woman. Yes, you do. <laughs> Well, I want to thank the good Lord, too. I want to thank the wizard for being here with us. I want to thank Marcus. I want to thank all of you out there listening, my family, my friends, all those who've inspired me to have the never quit mindset myself. And I'll tell you what, don't be afraid because life is about the journey and you, too, can learn to never quit.